We are on Yevamos Samach Vav on Mabez 66b, towards the bottom. Uh, we started with uh, this story in the last recording, but uh, we stopped in the middle. And uh, I hope that in this recording we will return back to that to the story and we will conclude uh, this Gemara uh, as it moves on to Samach Zayin Amad Aleph 67a. And then we will conclude the Gemara and begin the next Mishnah in next week's recording. Uh, so just to review, uh, we've been discussing this dispute between Rav Ami and Rav Yehuda with regards to the Nechzei Tzom Barzel, with regards to the property that she brings into the marriage in which she designates that it should be part of the Ksuba, meaning that really it belongs, the the objects that she brings in, or the, the people, the, the non-Jewish slaves that she brings into the marriage, belongs to her husband. She It could either belong to her with her husband to have rights to use uh, the objects or to use uh, the slaves, or it could be Nechzei Tzom Barzel. And within Nechzei Tzom Barzel, basically it belongs to the husband. Um, and if it goes up in value, it's his benefit. If it goes down in value, it's his loss. He incurs the loss. Um, and she receives at the end of the marriage, either if he dies or if they get divorced, he re- she receives the monetary value of those objects at the time from the time of the marriage um, the dispute between Rav Ami and Rav Yehuda, this big dispute is let's say at the end of the marriage she asks for those objects back, those objects are intact and she asks for them back does she really own it in the end of the day so that she could get those objects back or not and we follow the position of Rav Yehuda to say no, no she gets to keep it she does get to keep it the, meaning she gets it back and the husband would have to then give it uh, to his to his wife at the end of the marriage. So we have the following story. And because we pass like Rabbi Huda, this is why we come up with this story. So what does she bring in as part of the Nechzit Tzom Barzel? She brings in a cloak. There's a cloak, there's a garment that she brings in, and the husband is allowed to use it. Not only is he allowed to use it, but it's it, it's his in the sense that uh, he incurs a loss and he benefits from a gain, um, and therefore, and she just receives the monetary value. And Shachiv, the husband dies. Shaklu misna. What do the children do? The children then take this cloak and they bury him. These are the tachrichim. They bury the father, father in this cloak that really, according to Yehuda, belongs to their mother, because in the end of the day, their mother could say that. You know, I want the actual object, I want the cloak back, I want that garment back. But before she had the ability to do so, they bury him in this cloak. So Amrava Kanya Misnarava says he keeps the father keeps it. We keep it on the father and we don't take it off to give it back uh, to the mother. So they ask Rav Kahana, how could Rava say this? Don't we paskin? Don't we follow the position of Rav Yehuda? Rav Yehuda says that it really belongs to her, so we should take it off of him. So Amar Lay, so he says as follows: He says, in the end of the day, it's true. We follow Rav Yehuda to say that it belongs to her. It does belong to the wife, to the mother. However, she still has not yet collected it. It's not in in her possession. She still has to take it. It's not yet in her possession. It's something that we refer to as a shibud. It's something, some form of, of lean or, or uh, has ability to take, but she didn't take it yet. 
And Rava has the following statement. It's not a statement that we've seen in the past. Rava Latame. Rava, the same Rava who says that uh, it stays on the father, on the deceased father, because Rava holds Dalma Rava Hektish Chametz Vishikhar Mafkian Mide Shiba. He says three things if there's, let's say, a loan uh, of, of any sort, um, and you have to return back the object, you're supposed to return back the actual object. So if a person, the person who's borrowing it, designates it for hektish, says that I'm going to give it to the base amigdash. So once he designates it for the base amigdash, for the temple, it's now asr bahana. You're not allowed to derive any benefit from it. You're not allowed to derive any benefit whatsoever from it. And because you're not allowed to derive benefit from it, he sort of removed it from being part of uh, this, uh, this lien. He no longer has to give the actual object. He has to pay the monetary value because now it's designated for the base of Midrash. It's designated for the temple. And it's set aside and it sort of is removed from having to be given back to the lender. The borrower designated it for the base of Migdash, uh, for the temple, and now it becomes Asr Bahana. You cannot get any benefit from it. And therefore, you would just have to pay back the monetary value, but not the object itself. The same thing is true if, let's say, a person borrows Chametz. They borrow Chametz uh, bread. Pesach comes. Once Pesach comes, now it becomes Asr Bahana. It's forbidden to get benefit from it. Uh, you're not allowed to get benefit from it. And since you're not allowed to get benefit from it, forever it becomes it's forbidden to get benefit from it for, forever um, and uh, but since you can't get benefit from it specifically over Pesach uh, so therefore you have paid back the monetary value you would have to pay back the monetary value and then the third case is Shechor let's say uh, they are borrowing a slave a non-Jewish slave um, and so if he frees the slave so then he doesn't have to return once he frees the slave the slave becomes freed uh, the borrower frees the slave, and now he doesn't have to return back the actual bo- the slave. He already freed him, but he would have to pay back the monetary uh, value. Um, and so these are all three different cases where essentially the underlying principle is that uh, at the time that he has yet, not yet paid back, uh, they became forbidden to get benefit from, whether it's because it's designated for the base of Megdash or because it's Chamech or because he became a free person, a free Jew. Once he became freed, he becomes Jewish and he's a free person. So now you can't just all of a sudden give him back to the to the to the lender. So in all of these cases, uh, it removes. There's no longer a lien on these objects or on these people um, because they're now forbidden to be used uh, because they're asr bahana. You cannot get benefit from them. And this is a very important point: the tachrichim. Going back to our case, the tachrichim, the garments that this deceased father is wearing. Also, is Asr Bahana. A person's not allowed to get benefit from the Tachrichim themselves. Nobody's allowed to get benefit from the Tachrichim, from the garments, anything that's connected to the uh, to the mace, to the deceased. You are not allowed to get benefit from. Uh, you know, there there are there's a big discussion of exact, exactly what are you allowed to get benefit from, what are you not allowed to get benefit from. Uh, what if it's attached to the body of the person, wigs, teeth, um, you know, fake teeth. That is a whole discussion, but the tachrichim themselves, if you designate garments for the mace, for the deceased, and the deceased, they put it on the deceased, you're not allowed to get benefit from it. Certainly from the body of the deceased, you're not allowed to get any benefit from. That's certainly true, uh, which leads to a whole discussion, which we don't have, which we're not going to get into right now, but that leads to a whole discussion about um, autopsies and research uh, and transplants after 
uh, the person dies, you're not allowed to get ben- any benefit from it. In addition to that, there's a separate prohibition of nivel hames, of disgrace uh, to the dead, that you're not allowed to disgrace the dead by, um, by doing anything to the body itself. So the question is, is it allowed for the purposes of medicine, um, for transplants, for research? Uh, th- these are all big discussions which uh, we are not going to get into right now. But in the end of the day, what comes out is that uh, these children of their deceased father, they put on a garment that really belongs to their mother, belongs to the wife. But the wife doesn't have it yet. And so therefore, they then gave it to their father. Their father put it on. Their father, I mean, they put it on their father uh, to be buried in. Um, and now it becomes Asr Bahana. It's like part of this group. It becomes Asr Bahana. becomes forbidden to benefit from it. You're not allowed to get any benefit from it. So it's like designating it it's parallel in that sense, designating, designating it for the Pesach Mikdash, Chametz uh, and Pesach, these are all things which are Azar Bahana, you're not allowed to get benefit from. So, so to over here, you're not allowed to get any benefit from it. Um, and so while it's true, the mother, the wife is deserving of this garment because we follow the position of Yehuda, but before she, uh, she uh, took it, uh, the children made it forbidden to get benefit from. And so therefore it stays with uh, the father, it stays with the husband, even though really the wife is really, wife slash mother is really deserving of having it. Okay, that's what the Gemara says with regards to that story. A few more lines till the end of the Mishnah, and then we'll conclude. Um, Rav Yehuda, Rav Yehuda has the following, a second case, a different case. Let's say she brings in as these two kalim, two utensils that uh, the husband now uh, will incur the loss and benefit from the gain. Uh, and they were worth, at the time of the beginning of the marriage, they were worth a thousand zuz, a certain currency of zuz. They were worth a thousand zuz. What happened over the, over the marriage, over the, over the many years? It ended up being that they were both now worth 2,000. Each one was worth a thousand. Originally combined, they were worth a thousand zuz. Now, at the end of the marriage, uh, the, each one individually is worth a thousand. So what should she do? Echad, because we follow Rav Yehuda, she takes one of them, for sure. She takes one, that's worth a thousand. So by taking one, the object itself, she's now fully paid back monetarily uh, from what she brought into the marriage. It was originally worth a thousand. Now each one is worth a thousand. She takes one, that's worth a thousand. She's completely paid back. What about the other one? So we say for the other one, we say she could collect the other one also. She does take the other one because... Uh, she was the one that she brought that into the marriage, and we follow Rabbi Yehuda to say that she could uh, take the object itself if it's, if it's intact. She could take it. However, because now they're both worth a thousand, in total two thousand zuz, so she's taking an extra thousand. So she has to pay her husband uh, for that extra thousand because she's only deserving of a thousand of the original amount, which was a thousand. She's now taking two thousand, so she could take both utensils, but she has to return a thousand. She has to return a thousand to. Her husband. So the Gemara asks, "Okay, we already knew this. What, what are we coming? What is this coming to teach us?" My We know that we follow Rav Yehuda. We follow Rav Yehuda who says that it belongs to her. That in the end of the marriage, she should collect it. She should take it. So my answer is no. I would have thought that maybe we follow Rav Yehuda only in a case where. The object did not go up in value, where she would then have to pay her husband for the for the difference. No, maybe it doesn't apply in such a case. Maybe it only applies in a case 
where it's the same value, but not if it goes up in value. But if it goes up in value, who said that we could have this sort of some sort of transaction where she takes the object and then she has to pay her husband for the difference of how much it went up? You might have thought that we wouldn't apply it in such a case. Kamash Milan. No, the conclusion is that's why we're teaching this review. Who is teaching this to us to tell us that even in a case where it goes up in value, she still takes the object and she would just have to pay her husband for the difference. But she would always take her object because of this principle of shvach pesavia, because her she brought it into the marriage. This comes from her family, and she brought it into the marriage, so she should be able to then take it out when uh, the marriage ends. Okay, this concludes this topic of nichsei tzon barzel, and also we are now at the beginning of a new mishnah, which we will begin in the next recording next week. <laughs>